trust is the foundation for any experience, any relationship, right? You, you can't have a relationship with anyone unless there's some foundation of trust. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction, Natalie. Natalie Doyle Oldfield is on a mission to help business owners and leaders grow their companies by helping them build relationships of trust with their customers and colleagues. She's the author of the book, The Power of Trust, How Companies Build, Manage, and Protect It, and the founder of Success Through Trust an education and consulting company for business owners and leaders. Natalie works with leaders, project managers, technical people like engineers, and client-facing professionals. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. Natalie, I am so grateful that you're here on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I'm really curious, Natalie, about how you got into this and how come you work with so many technical professionals? Because you're not an engineer yourself. And I'm just curious as to how you got started and why people with that technical background want to work with you. Okay. Well, um, I'll start with how I got into this and how I got started. So I spent about 25 years of my career in various roles working for private and publicly traded companies in a, in a variety of industries, primarily IT. And in my roles, I was always interested in how the customer experience was. Because most, most of my roles um, were in marketing or product development. Um, product management, customer-facing type roles, and roles to generate leads and activity for companies. And in one of my roles, my manager asked me to take over the sales uh, management position. And I was really hesitant to do that. In fact, I really didn't want to do that, Andrea, because... Um, I mean, I knew that everybody and every company is in sales, right? I knew that intuitively and I love talking to customers, but I really didn't want to be accountable, which is the truth. And quite honestly, uh, if I'm really honest, I just really didn't want to fail because everything was going great and I had a great job, loved talking to customers, but you know, lots of things happened and I decided it was the best thing to do for the company and for me. So I took over the sales role. And very quickly after that, we had a financial crisis. It was a long time ago, 2008. And um, we were selling software to the hospitality and conference center industry. Well, okay, when, when you know, people stop spending money and there's, you know, travel bans, hotels aren't buying things. 
So fast forward, here I was in this new role and I didn't know how to sell and I didn't know what to do. So I talked to a lot of people who were in the industry who were great in sales. And then I talked to people who weren't in the industry who are really good in sales. And I asked them like, what do you do? Like, how are you so successful? And the common denominator was we just focus on our customer. We just have great relationships. So we just did that. That's what I did for several months with my team. And we just focused, focused, focused on the customer and building and strengthening the relationships. And our sales started going up. And then I got so interested in how in a B2B environment, customers decide to trust and customers mostly decide to buy that I went back to school and found out in my graduate research that they actually, they're deciding to trust first, then they decide to buy. So that's how I got into it. I, I kind of fell into it. Um, and I went in to do my research around and my graduate work around how do they decide to buy, but very quickly learn it's all about trust. And then I get so excited about it because it was working. <laughs> and um, so I started telling everyone I could about it, teaching it still while working full time. And then I decided that I would test it out. And I created a framework uh, using the scientific method, which brings me to the second part of your question. It's like, you know, why, um, you know, why are engineers interested in it? Well, engineers are scientists, if you will. Right. And they're they like repeatable systems and and frameworks based on science and evidence, in my experience. And you're right. I'm not an engineer. Uh, my son is, which is a coincidence. I'm very proud of him, but I'm not. Um, however, I do work with a lot of business owners and leaders who are. And I believe that. Um, the fact that my, my tools and the, the practical lens, if you will, of how I apply the uh, framework to build trust resonates with them. And the framework is actually applications-based, which means you can apply um, these principles to different situations. Okay. So these engineers are really interested in you and they're interested in your process, but I want to go take a step back. Why do you think engineers need help with this? Well, I think, um, why do engineers need help with this? I think folks that haven't, um, focused on relationships and, and developing relationships really value this. So technical people, in my experience, like engineers, um, or, you know, any technical discipline, they focus on that skill area. So for example, an engineer who's a mechanical engineer or electrical engineer, for example, would focus all his or her capabilities there a really strong accountant um, is a technical person in my world, right? I look at that person and, you know, he or she may focus on learning that technical skill. A physicist might be another one, or, you know, someone who's a welder or 
um, an electrician and they, they haven't um, been exposed to, in many cases, the skills of how to build a relationship like, you know, emotional intelligence and communication skills and um, those type of relationship management type skills. And that's, that's what I teach. Building trust is all about building relationships with other people. Okay. I, I think I hear what you're saying. It's kind of like the Marshall Goldsmith is kind of like a well-known executive coach. He wrote a book called what got you here. Won't get you there. And mm-hmm. I think you're, it, it's resonated with me. That concept is that you get to a certain point in your career because of the technical skills that you bring to yes. the table. But if you want to rise higher, if you want to rise to a leadership role, that official leadership role, that official title, it's actually yes. less about the technical skills and more mm-hmm. about the relationships. Um, and then the other piece of thing, the thing if you want to get really high and go to those the highest level of organizations, one of the criteria that most people don't really talk about is the ability to bring in business and manage those clients and get to the next sale, right? Like keep that That's client right. happy so that they keep that relationship going. They keep being that client and that revenue is coming into the company. And if you want to get to the really highest level of of an organization, you need to demonstrate that you can do that. And I think there's this pivotal moment where people could use their help is when they're on the cusp of stepping into that leadership role. And it's like, oh, wow, now there's different expectations on me, but their degree didn't really prepare them for that. What they were evaluated on before wasn't that criteria. It's a whole new set of criteria. So thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you, so I love that you mentioned that because there are many people that I work with that have, um, you know, worked to a management level, a leadership level, and yet they're, they're missing one piece to get to the next level. And it could be, you know, learning how to manage client expectations to your point. It could be about bringing in the business Um, And when you learn to manage relationships, build them and um, protect them, you know, to maintain them, it actually, I've seen it, and I'm sure it talks about this in the book, it's, it can change the trajectory of your entire career. Totally. Kind of exciting, really. So I want to know before we go there, what happens if you don't invest in these skills? Well, I mean... Most likely you you stay where you are, right? You stay yeah. where you are. I mean, we all know of really strong technical people and I use the word technical loosely, right? We know strong technical people who are really good at their job, but never advance in the company. And that's okay if that's what they want. However, to your point, I mean, really truly is about learning the skills and um, of building relationships. And, you know, I have one client who manages, um, or who's the owner of a manufacturing company and he likens it to, it's about building confidence, right? Lots of people in a firm, you get to a certain level, but then, then there's, there's a time and in relationships that you have to be able to build confidence in other people around you in order to get to the next level. 
Oh, so instead of like all the technical skills, build your own confidence. And then if you want to build confidence in others, it's about the relational skills. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. So that's that next level. Instead of like relying on your own expertise, you're actually bringing out the expertise in others and you have to build trust. You have to build those relationships to do that. So I want to talk about how you actually do that because the word trust is thrown out a lot, but I don't actually use it in my everyday life in my job to be honest so i don't know if i'm really thinking as i go to work like how can i build trust with my customer today how can i build trust with my direct reports it's not it may be in other people's minds as like something in the back of their head to focus on but it's not in mine so how do we actually do that okay i guess the very first thing that i would say is have a deliberate focus that uh that every relationship you want to make an impact and build a relationship of trust with. Because if you, trust is the foundation for any experience, any relationship, right? You, you can't have a relationship with anyone unless there's some foundation of trust. And, you know, we know when it's there and we know when it's not, right? We know when it's there because we we feel it. It actually feels comfortable. It feels easy versus it's uncomfortable. You know, you're sort of wondering what's happening, what someone's motives are. And, um, you know, from a more practical level, if you will, when you have trust, things go quicker, right? You send someone an email, it's a quicker exchange. It's a quicker back and forth. You, um, can call someone on the phone and they answer your call versus not responding to your calls. Uh, You send them a proposal and they open the proposal and you can walk through it versus you send it and there's nothing. There's all these little signals or indicators, if you will, that when the trust is there and then when it's not there, we know, right? We know intuitively. So we may not use it in our everyday language, but everybody knows what it feels like, right? As you're describing this, I'm literally having these moments of like, yeah, I've built a relationship with that company. I have built a relate because you're telling me these stories. Oh, they approve them right. fast. They open the email right away. They'll right. answer the phone when your number's there. And those are all things that I'm really proud of when that, like, I feel really good when I have relationships like that. Actually, even from doing like outgoing Right. Reach to people like even like ambition theory. I actually feel better calling someone if I know they're going to answer the phone. Whereas if it's someone I don't have that relationship with, I feel like nervous, scared. Oh, what am I going to say? And then, oh, I need a sales. I need a script. Tell me the authentic. I need notes. I need to do all this research. Whereas when I trust them, it's like, Hey, how's it going? What are you doing this weekend? And then we, it just really goes fast. So I love that you describe it that way because I think everybody does. It's part of our lives every day. We just don't use the language around it. It's really around that relationship. Yeah. And so some people don't know how to do that, right? Some people know how to do it intuitively. uh, And some people, you know, have learned that along the way. And, you know, so when you ask, like, how do you, how do you figure that out that you, how do you know, pause before you go there, 
I feel like for myself, it's intuitive. Like I've been a relationship builder. I remember like as a child, like I remember bringing people together. I've always been that person. So I think it's intuitive for me. Can you describe what it feels like when it's not intuitive? Uh, Sure. So what it feels like is it's uncomfortable. I'm terrified to pick up the phone. I don't empathize with the client at all or, or with the other person my colleague, I have no idea. I don't think about what, how they would be in this situation. So that's the kind of thing it would feel like. It would feel like I'm terrified to talk to the customer by myself. I don't have, I, you know, I, what I'm scared, what they're going to say. I have one client that I'm working with right now. I have a, a six week online building trust course right? Where you learn over a step-by-step process over a six-week period, how to build trust. And he shared with, with the group that he was really nervous to call a client because there's a mistake in the bill. Okay. So they sent an invoice and this client is in um, the construction building materials industry. So they are manufacturer, they sell products to um, contractors and construction companies, and they made a mistake. So they put up the bill of materials and they overcharged um, by a couple thousand dollars for one part several times. So it ended up being, you know, overcharging by about $25,000. And he was terrified to call the client to say, we made a mistake, we found the mistake. And, you know, we need to fix the bill. And I was thinking, well, isn't it great that you found the mistake first, not the client? Okay. That's the very first thing that I thought. And so, but for him, it was so intimidating to be open and honest and transparent with the client. And that's just an example. It was terrifying. And then what happened, right, is we overthink things and we think, okay, I can't call them or to your point, we take notes. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. And in the end, we, we talked it through and he called them and said, look, this is what we did. And we made a mistake. And, uh, you know, how would you like to handle it? Would you like us to credit you on your next invoice or would you like us to send you a check for the amount and he said the client was like oh no problem we'll just uh just credit us the next time now for him it was very stressful and what I shared with him is when the client responds like that most likely that means because he or she has high trust in you before, before even the mistake, right? So that they pick, yes. yeah, oh, I love it. So that work and done before, that's cool. Not only before, but when we share with someone that we're human, right? I mean, we're all human and we all make mistakes. And when we share with someone that we made a mistake, it's really in some ways showing our vulnerability, right? So that earns trust. It's, it's the moments that we show our authentic self and show our vulnerability in these small little moments, build trust. So the client actually trusted, trusts this fellow more now because he was honest, just like 
in a whole different situation, someone might trust you more if, you know, you ask them a question and they say, I don't know. I'll find out. I don't know the answer, right? We all, we trust when people are honest and authentic and they tell the truth. I love that. The idea of the mistake. So that hits home for me personally. If you are an HR professional or a construction leader, and you're curious about how you can better engage and support your female staff, we have some exciting news to share with you. Ambition Theory has developed industry-specific leadership training program for women in line with the Canadian Construction Association's Gold Seal Certification Program. The goal of these programs is to help companies develop leaders from the talent that already exists internally. There is a war for talent in the construction industry, and engagement and retention are among the best ways to address this. If you want to learn how Ambition Theory can help you improve employee engagement and retention, go to ambitiontheory.ca and book a call with us. And now back to our conversation. We have a pretty big newsletter at Ambition Theory and it's really interesting. So I've made mistakes in the newsletter before multiple times and usually at least one person, sometimes multiple, will reply uh-huh. to the email and point out the mistake to me. Oh and yeah. Yeah, what I do. So, so grateful if you're listening and you've noticed a mistake and shared with me. Thank you. I so appreciate you. It's like, oh, they have my back. Right. And so, but the really interesting thing is if I make a mistake on the newsletter, I'll resend it with the correct information with a subject line like, oops, sorry, I made a mistake. And the rest of the email, every single time the open rates on the email are higher for the oops version then for the first words because i think that it's that idea of like oh she's being vulnerable she's human oh she made a mistake i'm interested in what she has to say where without like not doing anything it's like people are not as interested so thanks for sharing that that's really powerful and i want to actually i'm really curious about companies because like when there's strength within there's trust within a company does that necessarily mean there's trust with all the employees or like, could, could there be like an employee that has not good trust with the person? And how does that work? Like when there's these different dynamics of relationships in one organization? Uh, That's a big question. (laughs) So companies are made up of people. That's how I would start. Right. And so we put our trust in people. So when we say I trust, as an example, if I say I trust ambition theory, really, I'm thinking I trust Andrea. You know, let's say it's uh, international construction company. Okay. Someone that one of your clients and I say, I trust ABC company. Well, really what were your, um, thinking about are the interactions we have with all the people. So trust, we put our trust in people and companies are made up of people. So at a high level, what's really important for companies to do is focus on everyone learning how to become a trusted advisor. Everybody learn how to build relationships of trust externally as well as internally see it's it starts with the on the inside right it starts on the inside with having trust inside the organization 
and then it cascades out to stakeholders, suppliers, partners, uh, investors, customers, and everyone outside the organization. So it's baked into the culture, right? These are the behaviors we expect in the company. We expect all our employees to kind of show up at this standard. And then you have those relationships inside. So then when all of those individuals are communicating outward to their various people and those relationships, it's really like there's already that standard of behavior. So they're kind of, it just extends beyond. And that's how you really build that corporate brand. Yeah, I mean, it starts, it's, it definitely, um, best case scenario, best practice, it is baked into the culture, right? It's about having it as part of how a company does things, part of their DNA. Ultimately, it starts at the top with the leadership team and, and works its way throughout the entire organization, And, you know, I'm a firm believer that everyone in the company has a part to play in building a relationship of trust with the customer. And everyone in the organization has a part to play in building the culture of trust because it's like, it's like any culture, right? It's, it's what you do around here, right? So if everyone's talking about trust and building relationships and the importance of it and everyone understands how it you know drives business results and business performance then it it becomes part of the culture and I mean let's face it I would say most high performing organizations want to have a culture of trust I would say most organizations worldwide, it doesn't matter what, you know, stage they're at, want to have trust inside the company, right? I mean, we want to work with people we trust. We want to have coworkers and colleagues that we trust. And when we do, I mean, the studies show that, you know, it's the key ingredient to a high performance team. It drives innovation, it drives new ideas, it drives performance, it it improves engagement, all this stuff. I mean, I mean, you can tell it's uh, I think it's really the most uh, critical asset a company has. I could go on and on, Andrea. I know. But I know okay. you have more questions. I have a so. question about we talk, I didn't mention there, we talk a lot about the transactional versus transformational leadership spectrum. And mm-hmm. transactional is kind of that traditional top down supervision task process, right? Like this is my job. These are the technical things that I'm responsible for. The leader really shares their technical expertise with the people that report to them. And that's how things are managed. So that's the transactional side. The transformational side is more, I think what you're talking about, that relational side about collaboration, about building relationships, about holding people to that higher standard, helping them show up with their own strengths. Um, But I'm really curious about the construction industry because I think like literally like we need both. And I want your take on where trust fits in. Because when I think about the transactional side, in construction, okay. it's actually really important because you're building a project, right? Timelines are important. Logistics are important. Managing the process is really important. And if you're building a complex construction project, you actually want to have trust in the process that this 100%. service provider actually knows the steps that I need to do to actually build this thing. 
Whereas that relational side is really completely on the other side. It's all relational. So I don't actually believe you could be a hundred percent on one side or the other as a company and be successful in the construction industry. So how does trust play out on that spectrum? Like trust in the process versus trust in the people? Uh, I don't think it's a versus. I, I would agree with you that it's both. And when you have trust, people are empowered to make the decisions, right? So I think that's a key element here is that trust enables and drives empowering behaviors, communications, and the way they serve others. So when you're empowered, you can make decisions, right? And, uh, you know, you may find out on a Friday afternoon, as an example, that um, all the all the parts that you thought were arriving on Monday morning are not coming for another week, right? It's happening now. I have many clients, as I'm sure you do, that are, that are experienced severe, and I say severe, um, supply chain issues, yes. right? Um, we also have lots of clients, uh, you and I've talked about it that have labor shortages right now. Yeah. And yeah, totally. I had a plan to get this done today and the people just didn't show up. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you have so, a process and the process works. Like they come, it takes three days. They do their part, right. but one of them doesn't show up. I I'm like, I feel like that's where the transformational leadership still step in. It's like, they're empowered when trust is in the process and in the people, the people are actually empowered to figure out what to do about it. Exactly. Versus, oh, it's not my fault. Right. <laughs> like, right. right. So somebody right. Else figure it out. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, I have a client that I, I was talking to about this today and she is in the construction industry and she manages the schedule. She's a project manager. She's like, the, I literally the queen of logistics and scheduling and projects. And she was sharing with me that it's a, you know, it's a constant juggle. And she, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot in our six week program is managing expectations during uncertainty, right? What and not only managing client expectations, but internally. So, you know, to your point about trans, you know, different types of leadership, I really believe that learning the skill of how to build trust and manage it and protect it is a leadership imperative, regardless of what type of environment it is, regardless. Because when you can manage relationships through uncertainty, and when you're you know, empathetic and able to be collaborative yet accountable at the same time, you have a much better output. Okay. I love this because I'm sure a lot of people listening are dealing with this supply chain issues, mm -hmm. um, labor shortages. So what do you do? Literally, like if this happens on Monday, what do you do? And you're not, you haven't really been thinking about this before. You're like, I want to get started because I know this problem is going to happen, right? It's probably going to happen yeah. in the next, at some point in the next couple of weeks. So um, what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is if it's Friday afternoon, like it is now, and you know, it's going to happen on Monday or you're in um, 
a company, an environment that it may happen, what I would suggest there's, you know, what I would say is there's several steps to managing client expectations. And step number one is to really identify the issues, the questions and the concerns that the client might have, right? So the client could be someone in another department, Andrea, it could be one of the tradespeople, right? So when I use the word customer or client, it's whoever it is you're serving, you're interacting with, right? Yeah. So that's step number one. And then it's identify um, all the things that are out of your control, right? So the truck not showing up with the drywall or, you know, the, com you know, the courier company uh, saying we have to change the service level agreement. We're so backed up. We can't do that. Like those things are out of your control, just like the weather is out of your control. Right. If you think about the airline industry, it's complex, like the construction industry. And they've actually taught us to expect issues and delays. Right. So they do a great job outlining all the things out of their control, whether pilot didn't show up or the crew's late, waiting on a mechanic that works for someone else. Right. So it, that would be step number two is identify all the things out of your control. And then step number three is identify all the things that are in your control that are happening. So, you know, everything from having enough project managers, having enough, um, you know, the uh, site supervisor who knows what's happening on the job site. And then and then while you do that is then identify, OK, what do you want to tell the other person? right? How, what, how do you want to educate them? What do you need to inform them of? What would be helpful? So I think it's like communication is the theme, right? <laughs> like... Yeah, it's part of it. It's part of it. And so step five is, is to communicate. But as we know, or many of us know, you can't expect to be trusted with poor behavior, regardless of how well you communicate. Oh, right? so you have to say, you have to do what you say. You're oh, gonna yeah. do? Is that do what you say you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah. We, you got to walk the talk. You got to do what okay. you say you're going to do. And so, you know, trust has three components. So there's three components and, you know, I, I liken it like a triangle. Okay. So there's three sides to a triangle. Trust has three components, how we communicate how we serve, and then the bottom is how we behave, right? So the communication, it's like, it's got to be clear communication. It's got to be consistent. It's got to be honest. It's got to be believable, right? It's got to be understandable. And then behavior is, it has to be reliable. It has to be ethical. It has to be predictable, focused on motives and intentions to act in the other person's best interest. And then Service has to be sincere and authentic and empathetic. So like a triangle, you have to have all three sides for trust to be present, right? You can't, like I said, you can't expect to be trusted with poor behavior and great service. So communication's a, a big part of it. It's just one part of it though. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. 
Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head, and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. And now back to the show. Okay. This is amazing. This is really great. And I want to break it down to like one thing, because we always end our podcast with an action that people could take within 24 hours after learning something new. So it has to be only one thing. And I love it. Yes, I know that we need the three. You absolutely need the three. But where should you start? Like on which one? So the one thing you can do in the next 24 hours is to A, choose a person. Like, let's be really practical. Choose one person that you want to build a relationship with or strengthen or maybe repair it, protect it or repair it. So choose one person. That's step number one. And then the very first step is, I would say, is to empathize with them. Put yourself in their shoes. What is it like to be them? Okay. Think about what it's like to be them and then what? when you actually demonstrate empathy towards someone, so you actually, you know, think about their situation, what it feels like to be them, what they've got going on in a typical day in the life, you know, all the things that they're juggling and dealing with, then your response to them changes, Andrea. That's why it's step number one. Oh, so before you even do anything with them, before you even like get out of yourself, you actually got to do the work on the inside. Oh, that is good, Natalie. Thank you for that one. So I'm really curious, how do people connect with you? Well, a couple of ways. Um, I would say the easiest way would be to either go to my website, which is successthroughtrust.com. And on that, I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, I have another way you can connect with me is um, through LinkedIn and would love to connect with you through LinkedIn. Um, And, you know, you could also send me an email and my email address is on my website. It's noldfield at successfruitrust.com. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Natalie. I learned a lot from this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. We talked about doing this for so long. I'm so glad we did. Hey, before you go, I'm going to read a review of our podcast. This one is called Engaging and Informative. As a new HR consultant, I have found the topics to be very informative and engaging. The dialogue is always upbeat. I also love that the conversations are the perfect length. I am sometimes left wanting more, but they are also easy to fit into my day. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for that generous review. It really helps us to get the word out about the podcast so that we can keep making episodes every week for you for free. And now I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you leave the podcast a five-star review and a comment? Thank you so much. Ambition Theory Women in Construction is hosted by me, Andrea Jansen, and produced by Michael Boyd from Podcast Atlantic. Our artwork is by Tara Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.